Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. This is Michael McGraw, here with Michael Shutt. And after a week off, we're feeling rejuvenated and ready to talk about college sports again. It's bowl season. Yeah, baby. Let's go bowling. I uh, One of us has a team that's going bowling anyway. Yeah, that's true. Hey, listen, we are getting some great recruits in the transfer portal. Yeah, you guys are doing Penn. well and uh harvard and ucf we're actually doing pretty well for ourselves I, I like what time. you're doing i, I do like too. i like tony elliott's got some positive positive momentum building up there yeah, you're waiting for me to say something nice about nc state they're doing they're doing well too grace, no i don't need you to say grace anything. and mccall <laughs> yeah quarterback well, no we're doing great i am i am very happy with where nc state is right now super high on them i'm waiting to really say what i'm thinking because we got a few like there's you know tis the season right in so many ways but there's a lot of those guys out there like their names float around and it's like oh they took a visit so we're hearing that they may come here and i was telling you this earlier off air but one of the guys who runs like the biggest nil collective for nc state keeps tweeting out cryptic like the next few days are going to be really fun and it's like okay that's awesome but what does it mean like i just i need i need real concrete information mhm yeah so a couple dbs from maryland guy from oklahoma state there's a wide receiver noah rogers from ohio state that's like rumored to be interested the running backs from duke and oklahoma but like things seem to be coming together really well in raleigh it's just i've been burned before i'm it's it's hard to get too excited but no i i wasn't even trying to fish for that i i genuinely am pretty impressed with the way Tony Elliott is starting to build up a a, a roster there. I don't know. Things are looking good. I know that you don't want to... I was kind of waiting for you to say something positive about your own team. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy we're doing okay. Things are all right. We're building slowly. Do we need to talk about MJ Morris going to Maryland? Or are we just... Is that like bringing up an ex that y'all? No, it's fine. Now that we've you know filled the spot, I feel decent about it. It, Like, look, I told you, I soured on him a little bit. He didn't play that well when he got in this year. I I can own up to being wrong. Okay, I was super (laughs) optimistic. I know you never heard me do it before. I know, but I'm I'm sorry, I'm choking. I was incredibly optimistic about him. I you know I said on here, I thought he was going to be really good. Turns out he he didn't look that great this year. So. Like it is what it is. I, you want to leave? I, like fine. And I've been on here before. I've done this. I've said it to you. Like I don't love the whole like turning on a kid just because he transfers. But if you go to Maryland, all bets are off. Yeah, I think. like it's like going to Carolina. Like mm-hmm. you just, I don't now. I don't have to respect you. So you made it easy for me. So fine. I'll join the Twitter crowd. That's all like, oh, he quit on his team and he's all like, yeah. Fine. Yeah, you did. Because he went to Maryland. It, it, did you I go mean, to Maryland? I mean, the whole on. thing was a little. It was iffy. Like, was he ever a good quarterback? I think now we can say definitively. Uh, well, he said Maryland. He never did anything good. He was pretty good last year, but now he's going to be bad. So, and and what's funny is like some, like I said, some of their skill position players on defense and offense have been talking about potentially transferring to state. So like, a little trade action. I don't know. Fine. Like you're at Maryland. I just don't understand how that's a that feels like a a downward move. Mm-hmm. Maryland in the Big Ten positioned certainly worse than State is in the ACC. I think. I mean, they're in a better conference for long term payouts. So, sure, but and like, the actual team playing. I mean, 
but like you could for say Vanderbilt's in a better position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his success, sure. I mean, would you rather be in a better conference and be in tenth place than be contending for? I don't know. I don't know what I'd rather be. Okay, I'd rather be with the place that gives me the most money. I guess. Yeah. Well, they say that's not a factor. Cool. They being his family. Sure. I don't know. Uh, while we're on the subject, we should talk about Chip Kelly. Sure. He's the current coach, I guess still the coach of UCLA, who just won a bowl game. And congratulations to him for doing that. Sounds like he might keep his job, or maybe he's getting fired. There was at this point, he's certainly keeping his job. Yeah, but uh, he had some thoughts about the NCAA and had a very interesting proposal, which he opened his thoughts, went on like a two-minute rant that's kind of gone viral, where he said, not that I've really thought about this, but here's this thing. That's here's this very in-depth thing that I've come <laughs> up with. Uh, not that I've spent a lot of time on this, but I think that if you went together collectively as a group and said there's 132 teams and we all share the same TV contract, so the Mountain West doesn't have one and the Sun Belt doesn't have one either, and the SEC has one and they have another, that we all go together. That's a lot of games and there's a lot of people in the TV world that would have would go through it. So he's he's pitching having one big major conference for like the group of five and one for power five. Mm -hmm. So like maybe a 64 team conference or something like that. Complete with corporate sponsorships. Yeah. That part kind of strikes me as stupid, but some of the other stuff that he said is kind of interesting because he was talking about like having basically like a profit sharing model, which ensures that all kids get paid that part I'm in favor of. And that maybe makes it like less, uh, NIL specific to each school and have them like competing for that kind of stuff and dark money if they just like had it out in the open and said this is what they're going to do and that's kind of like an employee model which is why it will never work he also brought up the idea of having a commissioner of the NCAA which would be kind of be cool you know they had somebody in charge pulling the strings but what do you uh what do you think of Chip Kelly and well, his thoughts generally <laughs> uh, what do you think about his idea of making his <laughs> players drink pickle juice to <laughs> help with dehydration Look, here's where I generally fall on this. is it, He's right in the sense that we have to reconsider and revamp how we do things in college football. In all of college sports, probably. But we know that when it comes to the money, when it comes to the broadcast deals, like football is king. So you got to start there. The part of, of his, his quote that really resonated with me was he's talking about Washington State and Oregon State. He says, look, the fact that there's not going to be a Pac-12. The fact that those two teams are not going to be in a conference, we failed. I agree with that. We did, like we whoever we is in that. We're all trying to figure out which schools were <laughs> responsible for that. UCLA. Sure, LA. Sure, and like th there is some irony there, but like he's right in that. Like the fact that this left some storied programs that have been part of uh, powerful and competitive conferences that they got left out of this. It's not great, and I and I think that. There are some aspects to this realignment that are messy for sure that can water down what we're looking at in college football over the next couple of years. There's things that logistically are massive headaches. I mean, you think about the ACC now having to work in Cal and Stanford and SMU like logistically for some schools. That's really hard, especially outside of football. So this idea that he has of this kind of like scheduling model where you would play teams sort of geographically sort of region by region that that makes sense to me i, I don't know I, I it's hard to like get past some of it feels like 
everybody's got an idea on how to solve this. And he's just like, yeah, well, what if we did this? And, and, and I've been guilty of that too, but like, you know, the revenue sharing part and, and some of that part, I'm, I'm, I think that's where he's totally right. I think the mess of how you figure out this, like, you know, he wants to get rid of this group of five and power five, but he basically wants to have a a 64 team conference, just one big conference. That is the power five. Like, what does that really if you're then if you're doing that and then playing it geographically, what does that really change? Like it sort of just feels like going back to the drawing board, which maybe isn't a bad idea, but I was surprised by how much I agreed with him. I think of Chip Kelly as just kind of a quack. I yeah. don't know. Like just kind of like somebody who's always thinking the innovative way. He's like your uncle at Thanksgiving who's just got like a zany idea that he's like, hey, what if we did this? If politics, we could fix it all. We could fix it in five seconds if we just did this. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I get it, but no. But like I really, I'm kind of on board with almost everything that he says here. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know that the 64-team conference thing is going to work, but in terms of just like revenue sports being divided from non-revenue sports, like that clearly makes sense to me having regional tie-ins you know having you're the, t- the teams that you play every year but then if you're going to go to the east coast then you're going to play these set of teams like that makes sense to me too in terms of trying to limit costs and travel and all that other stuff and then also just like making it more equitable in terms of who you're competing against and making sure that athletes get paid like all that seems pretty reasonable to me i'm sure. kind of on board sure it's uh, not gonna it's happen, not gonna happen. No, right. it's not gonna happen that <laughs> way but like i'm just kind of like you know Right now, I'm in a stage where college football is like so broken and stuff that I kind of feel like the ideas that are getting spat out, I kind of like them because it mm. makes me think that there's a chance of progress over the court, like a like a snowball rolling down a hill. Just like it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of people and important people jumping on board with certain ideas and talking it out and casting aside certain ideas. This is basically the same way that we got to the 12 team playoff. Like it didn't happen. Like it, it took decades to even get a four-team playoff but there were yeah. so many people that just kept churning and churning and churning and we eventually got there and i i kind of hope that something like this spurs that as well well and, and again like i think where you're looking at when i'm looking at his comments and thinking about where there's momentum to actually make changes the revenue sharing probably is the thing that has the most momentum right now i mean we've seen jim harbaugh make similar comments about giving athletes a share of the revenue. Those are two pretty big name coaches. That I think is important. The structure of scheduling and conferences and all that crap is much more complicated, I think. Interestingly enough, like years ago, you would think the concept of paying student athletes would be the most complicated thing. You could never mm-hmm. figure that out. Now it seems like we're actually closer to figuring that out than we are figuring out just who's going to play who, right? And how you make this the most competitive and I don't know like it's it's hard because and I and I get this side of it too of saying like look we're about to make a change to the playoff and I feel like we need a couple of years at least to see what that looks like changes have been made there's been major realignment I do think you need to take some time to see how that shakes out and what college football even looks like over the next couple of years we've talked on this show about if you had a 12 team playoff this year, like how much fun that would be and how much it seems like it would work, how well it would seem to work this year. Mm-hmm. So like maybe there aren't scheduling problems that need to be solved. I, like, I, I don't know. I think some of those scheduling problems are actually going to come up in the other sports. Right. So Chip Kelly's idea of doing it, like having this 
I, I generally support the idea of having football be a separate thing. I think that is where we're headed. Seems inevitable. Structurally, I don't know how it works. Like that, and I don't know that Chip Kelly does either. Like this seems fine, I guess, but like there needs to be with having one conference basically for the Power Five. Doesn't seem to work with the structure of the twelve team playoff as currently, so as as it works now. So you have to go back and rework everything, and this is the problem: is we're like fixing it bit by bit. And I think what needs to happen is just an all-out restructuring of college football. Well, and that may happen anyway with some of these lawsuits that are coming yeah. through. I mean, it may force the NCAA to completely mm -hmm. like tear down major policies that they have. Love it. Burn it all down. Yeah. So wanted to talk about that because, you know, give somebody their roses while they're around. Chip Kelly, <laughs> kind of a good idea. Good job, buddy. But we don't have that situation right now. What we have is bowl games. Bowl Let's games go. are on TV now. Can't wait to see all these great players who are going to opt out of their bowl games. So, yeah, that's before we get into some of our preview of the New Year's Six Bowls, I just want to say, like, where, where are you at with bowl games? Because I have this nostalgia as a kid of watching them and seeing cool matchups, seeing conferences that never really played each other or you know like the rose bowl it was always the big 10 and the pack 10 back in the day so like that was cool and you could always look forward to it and just football on every day like even the lesser bowl games like mm -hmm. the independence bowl it would be like oh cool i get to watch louisiana tech i don't really care about them i don't know them i don't get to watch them most of the time but it's gonna be a fun game it's on in the middle of the day I, it's great but with so many people opting out coaches going all over the place it is so hard to like know what to expect with any of these games and like expect a quality product to be out there. And also as a gambler, just like, mm. I don't know how to touch any of these games. I'm like, I literally have to look at the lines for these games and be like, wait, how many people are opting out for each team? And yeah. so where, where are you at with this? Are you excited? I'm not really excited. That's fair. I, I'm excited because there's going to be college football on my TV again. Right. So you go a couple of weeks without it, really. And so generally, I'm like, oh, this is fun. But then I do turn it on and I'm like, oh, great. Here's, you know, example that popped up the top of my head. You know, I get to watch USC play in the Holiday Bowl. Oh, Caleb Williams isn't playing. I'm going to watch Carolina. A Drake May and Tez Walker both aren't playing. To me, at like at the risk of sounding like an old man, like the opt outs have gone too far. And I understand why they do it. I do. And like, it makes total sense to me. But again, like it, when you look at these matchups on paper, so another one that just like looking at some of these bowls, like the Sun Bowl, Oregon State and Notre Dame seems like a fun game, right? But you have both starting quarterbacks are gone. Like Notre Dame, Sam Hartman isn't playing. Audric Estime isn't playing. Joe Alt, their best offensive lineman, isn't even playing. So like what is that even going to look like? I right. like and that's to your point as a gambler like thinking like i don't know how to even think about these games because all the players that when i tell you like think about these teams and you think you know i gave the usc caleb williams example well when you think in your mind oh, i'm going to watch usc play the first person that pops to your head is caleb williams well now you're not going to watch it you have to do homework yeah you have to do homework in order to just to know who you're going to watch right yeah to get an understanding of whether it's going to be a good game or not and it's like so many people are in the transfer portal too like People popping around. Ohio State doesn't have Kyle McCord for this game because he just committed to Syracuse. So, yeah. 
you know, Devin Brown is going to be the quarterback, which, okay, great. And then there are like a ton of people that are still kind of waiting around to see whether they should opt out or not. And it's like, I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard for me to get into it. And I'm a fan of people opting out. It's fine. I'm a fan of the transfer portal, but I do say like it makes my enjoyment of bowl games and excitement ahead of time just a little bit less. Like, oh, I outside totally of, outside of the final four, I'm like, I don't know any of the games. I'll have them on and like care about them, and we'll we'll talk about them. But it's like, it makes but, like it really how hard. how far away are we from kids opting out of the playoff? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and at this point, it's all it's all economic decisions, and maybe there needs to be some nil or revenue sharing type thing where these bowl games are more profitable for these kids, so they'll play. They probably have to consider a way to do that. I, I don't know. I can understand some of the criticism. I'm with you. Like I support their ability to make that decision for themselves. But at what point does that? When does that stop? When does somebody decide? Like, and we've seen this with some stupid conversations earlier this year about like Caleb Williams when USC obviously wasn't going to be as good as we thought they could be. Like, should he just stop playing? And we've seen t- conversations about players over the years of like skipping entire years. Because it's just like, well, you know, you already have established yourself as a prospect and why hurt your reputation or possibly get injured? And and I just think that that becomes a slippery slope that takes away a lot of the fun. Yeah, weirdly, the people that would probably benefit most from this kind of stuff are the people who are like against paying players because if you pay them as employees, then you can have things in their contract that like we expect you to play in the bowl game. Right. And... They have, have protections to play a certain against, amount of games. Yeah. yeah, like you could put in injury protection and stuff like that for their careers, and so. Th- but those are the people who don't really want there to be any payment for players at all. But anyway, that aside, we're going to talk about some bowl games. So coming up very soon, we're going to have the New Year's Six games. First Friday, December 29th at 8 p.m. on ESPN, we got the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic with Missouri and Ohio State. Ohio State opened as a six and a half point favorite. And now they are a two and a half point underdog. That's such a big swing. You got all these people opting out, transfer portaling, a bunch of people that you still don't know whether they're going to play or not in the game. Devin Brown is going to get his first career start for the Buckeyes, it sounds like. He has been in five games so far this year, but this is his first start. He has never passed for more than 13 times in a game. And when I get, when I start thinking about like who I'm going to pick in these games and like what I expect to happen, I often think of like who has the most to play for. Ohio State has nothing to prove in this game. A bunch of their players are going to be gone, and their fans are mad about the fact that they lost to Michigan. So they're just in a bad place. Missouri, on the other hand, has a lot of continuity. They're looking for respect on a national stage. This is like a first big bowl game for them in a long time. So I like Missouri here a lot. I think it makes sense to me that the line has moved. I don't love the line now being them as favorites, but... I just, I like the vibes of that. Like, they're going to come out fired up. Ohio State, really, like, what what do you even expect from them? Yeah, I mean, lots of questions about who's going to play for them, right? Like, we, we've kind of gotten that. And, you know, I think the biggest question for them, now we know Kyle McCord is transferring out, so, like, we know he's not going to play, like you said. But the big question for them is going to be, of course, Marvin Harrison Jr. And lots of talk over the last week or so about whether or not, you know, he, he is saying that to him both options are on the table in terms of coming back or going to the NFL 
that's always kind of hard to believe for me when somebody's like a, he's a five top five pick guaranteed. i'd say top three guaranteed maybe even number one right and like that's hard to pass up but you never know right we've seen it before there have been people who have surprisingly gone back to school so now with nil that becomes more viable you're able to make that money he's going to make a lot of money either way right Denzel Burke, one of the Ohio State players just the other day, said, as far as I know, everybody's playing. So if you believe him. Hey, no one said that they weren't <laughs> coming to my party. So I'm expecting 400 people. So, I mean, like, I don't know. If Ohio State's at full strength, I, I like them in this game. I, I think Missouri's good, obviously. But, like, you know, I think they seem to – they don't have a lot of guys who are going to opt out. So this actually, I think, could be one of the better games. Mm-hmm. I don't like Missouri as a favorite. I think if I could take some points with them, sure. But if we're given points to Ohio State, I'll take I'll take the Buckeyes. Okay. Saturday, December thirtieth at noon on ESPN, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, featuring number eleven Ole Miss and number ten Penn State. Penn State is favored by four and a half. Penn State has the best turnover margin in college football at plus eighteen. They rarely turn the ball over, but they also don't have the most exciting offense outside of their run game. Katron Allen and Nick Singleton are very good. Drew Aller, maybe not as good at passing the ball. On the other side, you've got Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin flinging the ball around all over the place. Exciting offense, but not the best defense. I like Penn State here. I just think given time, they got rid of Manny Diaz also. So, you know, even though he's put together one of the best defenses in the country i just i don't like manny diaz just kind of gives me a negative vibe good luck duke but i I like penn state here having enough time to play in for that offense ole miss didn't look great in the egg bowl like they struggled to move the ball in that game too and i think just like if if i'm penn state i just hand the ball off to either allen or singleton every play i don't let aller throw the ball just hand it off hand it off hand it off you have to punt great get your defense back on the field win an ugly game the James Franklin special. <laughs> this is another one where I think the opt-outs seem limited. I think, you know, obviously the big, the big one in this is Penn State's Chop Robinson isn't going to play. So as good as that defense is, arguably their best defensive player, who is a top 10 pick, again, if not top five, isn't going to play. You've got a couple of guys who did not attend their most recent practice or their most recent, sorry, not their most recent practice, but their media day, that could make you think that maybe they're thinking about opting out. Ole Miss definitely seems to be at full strength. Penn State, we'll see. Definitely have a interesting matchup of sort of offensive strength against defensive strength and, and what you know what's going to give. I actually like Ole Miss here. Uh, I like their ability to put up points on the defense and just don't think that Penn State can necessarily match that the way that their offense has looked like you mentioned towards the end of the season especially you know I mean they put up points against Michigan State but who didn't right they they looked especially against Michigan pretty rough I I mean I don't know like it's it's one that I could easily see going either way I'm not going to touch this with my real money but I like Ole Miss watch the game whoever jumps out to a lead bet on the other team interesting I don't know Wait for there to be some value. If Penn State jumps out to a lead, I like them to hold on to that. Yeah, that's probably true. But if Ole Miss jumps out to a lead, it's over. Mm. 
So just watch the first half then. There you go. Yeah, done. Game will be over. And then move on. <laughs> Capital One Orange Bowl is on 4 o'clock. Also on Saturday, December 30th on ESPN. This is the game a lot of people will be watching to have their takes validated one way or the other. Number six, Georgia. 14-point favorites against number five, an undefeated ACC champion, Florida State. Interestingly, the Superbook executive director, uh, John Murray, said that Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon, Penn State would all be favorites over Florida State at this point. Georgia would be favored over all four of the college football playoff teams. So you could make the argument that both these teams have been slighted in some way by being left out. Obviously, we've gone on the record as... Our thoughts about this and Florida State being undefeated and how that's generally not cool for them to be in the playoff or to be missing the playoff. But you know what? I'm just going to like lean in here and say I really, really want Florida State to win. It would be great for them to win, but they're not going to win. Georgia is a way better team without Jordan Travis playing quarterback. Tate Rodemacher has done fine, but he is not. it's not the same offense. They may have some other people like Johnny Wilson, unclear about whether he's playing or not. I love Georgia in this game. I will lay the two touchdowns. And then everybody, all the worst people on the internet could be like, see, see, they didn't deserve to be in the playoff. Yeah, Georgia's going to win this game pretty easily. I think Florida State, the indications are that Johnny Wilson is not going to play. Trey Benson has opted out. You got to imagine that, you know, we're still waiting to hear about Jared Verse, Keon Coleman, I can't imagine those guys playing in this game, honestly. Backup quarterback. Boycott it. Boycott it. Backup quarterback, you are upset about feeling like you should have been in the playoff. Georgia probably has the same kind of feeling. And look, they've got guys that might declare for the draft and opt out as well. Like Brock Bowers may not play. Defensively, they've had some guys like Marvin Jones Jr. in the transfer portal. Um, who's played a lot of snaps this year as a pass rusher on the outside. They've got some offensive linemen who may not play in this game. But I still think even with some potential opt-outs, especially considering the opt-outs that we see for Florida State, I like Georgia here. Mike Norvell against the spread in bowl games, 0-5. Not great. Yeah. So, you know, give me Georgia here to cover that that two-touchdown spread. I think fairly easily this is what i'm about to say is just completely vibes based and is not based on any kind of reality but this is just my feeling about okay. it so just like be clear i'm not reporting something sure. or sharing but i feel like florida state is going to come into this game and mike norvell is going to be like hey guys like i know that's a pretty big bummer that we didn't make the playoff but i think if we band together as a team we can do this we can show them all and he like he's clearly frustrated mm -hmm. and gritting his teeth while he says that there's a bunch of coach speak things meanwhile kirby smart is just like slamming his head against the chalkboard <laughs> in the locker room like screaming obscenities about how florida state disrespected them and you know whatever like some imagined thing and the players are just going to be like running through the tunnel angrily like that's just the vibe i get from yeah. this game he will have them ready from a grievance standpoint in a way that sure. florida state won't be ready yeah yeah i think i Look, I think as <laughs> I test and statistically, I understand the undefeated record for Florida State, but just in terms of like who's the better team, I think Georgia arguably has a has as much of a gripe as like, look, we were the number one team all year. We talked about this. Number one team all year, you lose one game and suddenly we're not there, even though, like you said, the odds would all show us favored against all of these teams. Like 
we all know that Georgia is one of the best teams in the country. It's kind of crazy that they're not going to be in there. Like you can debate Florida State. I understand that, but I think Georgia's yeah. I think Georgia's going to come out fired up and just beat the shit out of them. No games on New Year's Eve, which makes me kind of angry. Yeah. I love New Year's Eve games. Well, because then I don't have to make plans for New Year's Eve. I can just be like, nah, I'm watching this bowl. <laughs> I'm game. watching football instead. Exactly. Well, now I got to figure out something else to do. And then wait for Monday, January 1st. Happy New Year. 1 o'clock on ESPN. Liberty, the number 23 team in the country. They get to play in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl against number 8, Oregon. Liberty is outside the top 120 in strength of schedule, which is how they got to be an undefeated team. You know a team that is not outside the 120 in strength of schedule? I'm going to guess Oregon. Oregon. They have the second-rated offense in terms of total yardage, averaging 526 yards per game. Perfect appetizer for the college football playoff. Go Ducks by a million. Hope they run up the score. Congrats on Liberty's great regular season. Looking at this game, Oregon going to be missing uh, Bucky Irving, running back who has uh, rushed for over 1,000 yards in the last two years. Also big-time receiver in that that short passing game that Bo Nix rode to an almost Heisman. Missing their their center, who won the Remington Trophy as the best center in the country. And missing their best corner, who was an all-conference performer. All of them opting out in preparation of the NFL draft. All of that being said, Bo Nix is playing in this game. Yep, let's go. It's Bo time. The Ducks are going to blow out Liberty. They still got some other guys who could potentially opt out looking for draft declarations. And Troy Franklin is kind of the big one at receiver. Jordan Birch, their best edge rusher, who also got hurt in the Pac-12 title game, even if he decides to play, could be limited. You know, they've got some guys, though, that are ready to step up even if people uh, if people opt out. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I like Oregon here. It seems like kind of a no-brainer. Liberty, like, sure – Great job, guys. You did it. You went undefeated in the regular season. You made a New Year's Six Bowl game. Now hold this massive L that Oregon is about to <laughs> hand you. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really want this to be a blowout. Line is 17 and a half. That's not enough. That's not enough for me. It needs no. to be more. Yeah, that has to more. be a like 63 to nothing pounding. That's what I'm, I'm rooting for in this game. Perfect appetizer, though, for a real football game mm. taking place later at 5 p.m. The Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential. I don't know why I keep reading the sponsors. I don't know. I feel like really le- legally obligated to. Like corporate. Just, Prudential, not a sponsor of this show. Sure. If you'd like Yet. to be a sponsor of the show, you can write into preferred walk-ons at yahoo.com. There it is. But this game is between number one Michigan, a one-and-a-half-point favorite against number four Alabama, the team that controversially got into the playoff after squeaking by Auburn, squeaking by Arkansas, squeaking by USF, but was your SEC champion, so they get a spot. I think a lot of the money in this game is going on Alabama, and there's just like consensus that once Nick Saban gets in, it's just like Alabama's going to win the game, mm-hmm. and I totally understand that. But having said that, I think Michigan has been the better team all year with like only a couple of exceptions where they haven't played well. Like they've been blowing everybody out all year, beat Ohio State, beat Penn State up, 
I think they are just like the best team. Their defense has the best stop rate in the country. And I think that the offensive line for Alabama has been suspect all year. And they've managed to get out of it because Jalen Milrow has really developed and has a scrambling ability. And I think that the line differential between Michigan and uh, Alabama is going to be the difference in this game. So I'm not chasing the bright, shiny thing. I am sticking with the blue. Go big blue. Go blue. Is it big Hail blue? Hail to the victor. Yeah. No, not Kentucky. I'm going to root for Michigan. <laughs> Go Wolverines. Nick Saban in his time at Alabama, 12 and 8 against the spread in bowl games. Okay. Winning record. Sure. Seven and three and one against the spread as an underdog at Alabama, which he is here. Thrives do you, do as you an think, underdog. Do you think he has that up in his office? Oh, for sure. And then you compare that. Jim Harbaugh, his last six bowl games, 0 and 6, straight up and against the spread. He's due. That means he's due. <laughs> it's, you know, look, I think there's a lot of people out there who still don't believe in Michigan. I get it. They they played not the most impressive schedule. They were dominant in the games they had. That's always hard to read. Like all you can do is play the games the teams in front of you, but you dominate those games, it's hard to hold it against you. I, I think they have looked really good all year. Alabama clearly feeling some heat. They just hired that homeboy for who used to be on the staff in front of this game to like get a little intel on the defense. I like that shouldn't be allowed, right? I, like, right? I, it's it's sketchy. You have to stick with the coaches you have, right? It's, like, I, it's I don't sketchy. Know. All of that being said, give me Michigan here. I yeah. don't, I don't trust Jalen Milrow fully yet. I don't trust. That. I mean, the biggest thing is the offensive line. Now, look what they've done down there in Tuscaloosa in terms of finding an offense that suits what they have has been really impressive. Like, shout out to Tommy Reese as an offensive coordinator. I think he's done a fantastic job of adjusting i think michigan's just too good they're just too good they have too much talent all around that entire roster i think it's just it's just way too good so i like michigan to cover michigan to win straight up the f- the fact that they're still like one and a half point favorites like they were at like two one and a half and it's just hanging around there even yeah. though a lot of people are betting on alabama the line could go the other way sure and it's not and it makes me think that there's just like this edge that people like the Vegas people are comfortable letting people bet on Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's just me reading into it, but that's my vibe. My vibe is that people are just like the sports book. People are like, yeah, keep going, keep going. We like Michigan here. Yeah. I'm with them. Lastly, late at night, eight forty five tip between number three, Texas and number two, Washington, a repeat of last year's Alamo bowl. They will be playing on ESPN and the All-State Sugar Bowl. This gun is my lock of the New Year's Six. I am just like, Jim Harbaugh couldn't get it done, like you said. He's been losing bowl games, 0-6. He breaks through this year. Mm. This is the year where Sark and Texas get it done. I feel like Washington, as fun as they've been all year, I've been rooting for them. They're, they've been my team, just like you have been rooting for them. Their, their offense is like Madden fun, throw the ball around all over the place, but their defense has been very porous at times, and they've just kind of squeaked by with some games late in the year. Texas has been blowing teams out. Like, they are ascendant at the end of the year. Quinn Yours has a, over a 70% completion percentage. They put up 57 against Texas Tech, and then 49 in Oklahoma against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. I love Texas. They are back, 
and I think they are going to win this game. They have an offense that can match Washington's touchdown for touchdown, and I think Washington's defense is not as good as Texas's, and that's the difference. Yeah, look, I look at this, and this is hard. These are two teams that I've been a big believer in from the start of the year. Go back to the preseason preview. I was big on both of these schools. I think Texas is obviously back. They're in the playoff mission accomplished on some level right like you're here that that's great i'm a little worried about the health of texas so back in november uh jonathan brooks their best running back towards acl cj baxter jr has been carrying the load since then not nearly as good also well they have you know three games that uh, brooks has been out they've averaged 208 yards sure. on the ground per game so pretty but, good but against stiffer competition so C.J. Baxter Jr. breaks tackles at half the rate that Brooks did. Uh, he averages a half yard less before contact per carry. So that's going to be important. Like, I mean, I think he's just not as dynamic. Their biggest weapon on offense is Xavier Worthy. He was on crutches after the Big 12 championship game. Got to think he's going to play. But, like, you got to be a little worried there. Is he limited? Is he hobbled? It, look, this is a tough game to call. I, Washington, on the other hand, is healthy playing well i mean i know they had some tough calls at the end of the season there texas was rolling but some of their competition towards the end of the season was not super impressive i'll keep on pulling out these these coaching stats kaylin DeBoer as an underdog four and oh straight up at washington seven and one against the spread in his career he's only been a head coach at washington for one bowl game last year alamo bowl against Texas Longhorns. They won 27 to 20. Different season, different teams. Sark for his career, 2 and 3 against the spread and bowls. Give me Washington. Go Huskies. Arf arf. <laughs> nah, I like Texas. Texas is a 4-point favorite in this game and I think they win by Definitely like Washington to cover, but I I'm taking them straight up. Okay. So I I like a lot of favorites. It seems like, yeah. and you like Does a lot of feel, underdogs. I, I don't love that I like weird this many favorites. Yeah, I may have to go find some other random bowl games and be like, Liberty Bowl, whoever the underdog is, yeah. I'm on board. Sure, man. Give me Tulane against Virginia Tech. Are there any other bowl games you uh, have a have a lean on? Uh, obviously, State's bowl game I feel strongly about. I like our chances against Kansas State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Peyton Wilson, will he play? Will he not play? Hard to say. There were some early reports that he was planning on playing, and then the more recent reports are like, well, actually, now that I'm a unanimous consensus All-American, maybe I won't. But I I don't know. I mean, I feel good about it. I feel like it's a good chance for NC State to get their 10th win. That's obviously the bowl game I am most excited about. A lot of the other ones, again, like kind of marred by not knowing who's going to play. So, I mean, like, normally I would say, hey, New Year's Day, we get to watch Wisconsin and LSU. We get to watch Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner, take the field. But, like, I don't know that he's announced yet, but I kind of just assume he's not going to play. Mm. I got that one right. Jaden Daniels won the Heisman. That yeah. Was, that was great. Thank God. Excited right? for that one. Something there is There is justice in the world. <laughs> yeah. We had the correct Heisman winner. That was great. But yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because I just think that there's a lot of games I look at that like I would be excited about if I felt confident that they were going to play. But like, yeah, I watch 
like that game in particular is just the one that kind of had sparked my interest at one point iowa tennessee right like you have explosive potentially explosive offense from tennessee and then you have iowa iowa <laughs> like there's some fun games but yeah i mean i'm I, I don't know i don't have any in particular that are like ooh, i need to watch that I, james madison I, i'm like i'm gonna watch jmu after all the uproar over let us play in a bowl game and let us blah 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 blah. you better win this game well they don't have their quarterback and they only have four coaches yeah so i don't care you better win the game against the air force in the arms forces bowl i feel like that's a disadvantage that's an automatic disadvantage for james madison absolutely uh the game that i'm interested in because it has one of the features that i love in college bowl season with coaches leaving is the tax act texas bowl which has texas a&m and oklahoma state which is uh, just an interesting matchup anyway of a lot of fans that probably don't like each other. I don't know how much Oklahoma State fans and Texas A&M fans interact, but I feel like some, and they probably don't like each other. But it has the feature of when, like inviting the new coach to come watch the game. Oh, yeah. So like Mike Elko will be there. He'll probably be on the broadcast at some point, you know, chatting it up with ESPN. And there's always the like great moments where like the team is playing poorly during mm-hmm. the bowl game, and the new coach is just sitting there, just like shaking his head, like, "Nope, that kid's gone. That, co- <laughs> that coach is gone. I'm gonna change that. We're not running that sweet play when I'm here." Right. I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. Fun. Absolutely. And, and you know, then you have that with the like juxtaposition of on the other sideline, you have Mike Gundy, who's unfireable, been there for centuries. Well, that's bowl season. Our bowl season preview. College basketball is going on, and I wanted to talk about this very briefly before we get off, which is big game this past week. Of course, I'm not talking about UVA's dominant win over Northeastern. Never in doubt. Not talking about the battle of Blue Bloods of Kentucky and UNC. Not talking about Purdue facing Arizona in a game of a possible Final Four preview. Talking, of course, about North Dakota State laying a shellacking on Oak Hill Christian School, a 108 to 14 win. I love that. Do you? Yeah. First of all, I I believe you've seen the highlights. The highlights, if you haven't seen the highlights, folks, go to Twitter and look up just some of the shots that Oak Hill Christian took in this game. It looks like I don't know, a, a group of guys who have never played basketball before, or if they did, it's been like eight years and they're like picking up the ball for the first time after mm-hmm. they played in middle school. Like that part is hilarious. Oak Hill Christian has an enrollment of like a hundred people. Yeah. And they're playing in this by game against uh, North Dakota state, 108 to 14. I actually hate this. I think there's like no real room. For, why, why, why play this game? This is stupid. You nobody gains anything. Oak Hill Christian probably can get some new uniforms or something with the money they get from this game. I mean, that's why this game happens. Is like sure. they need they need something. Only eighteen percent of the stadium was filled for the North Dakota State team, so it's not like they made money on the like ticket sales and mm. stuff like that. But I don't know if you're gonna play somebody that is a lower division, play a D two team or something. They are like. Not even they're in the Association of Christian College Athletics. They're not even an NCAA team. You gain Gotta nothing if you're North. Yeah, you you think North Dakota State can't get a game against? Nobody wants to schedule them. <laughs> People, they've been asking. No one wants to schedule the seven and four Bison 
I just think this is it's it's embarrassing for everybody. I don't know. Like it's funny on my end of things where like I'm not part of this and like whatever. I can enjoy these videos of these guys who look like they've <laughs> never touched a basketball. But like it's stupid that it happened. It's just dumb. This team is two and eight in their lower division. So they're not even good for their division of college basketball. They had nine rebounds in the game as a team. This would be a fun Disney movie, but like you, everyone goes into it expecting like the <laughs> most unheralded team underdog story. And then they just come out and it's like an entire Disney movie of them getting blocked into the third row. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I don't care for it. I mean, I think again, like I do think it's funny. I think on a serious level, like why do this? Like you might as well just those kids could have gotten hurt. It's probably not yeah. like safe for them like, to have played that game. They, Six for forty nine from the field, twenty twelve point two percent. They were uh, one for twenty from three. Now they had a game plan. Their game plan was to chuck up a lot of threes. Well, that was that's like the easiest thing to do. So come across just, half court and be like, oh. That guy's bigger than me. I'm going to throw it up. Those videos of the highlight, that one guy's jump shot is so broken. <laughs> He's just like this bald guard that they have. Like, I, I could watch hours of footage of him just coming up and like chucking the ball at the rim. See, don't you feel like, though, like if he had a Twitch stream, though, of just like him playing NBA 2K that you would just watch everything? I want more of this guy. Yeah. Like if he had, if he is a podcast, I'm, I'm fully, automatically fully support it. Look, the only thing this game was missing was Airbud. I kind of just <laughs> I show me in the rule book this. where Oak Hill Christian can't play a dog. I sort of felt like halfway through that a golden retriever was going to come out and start scoring. They are the wolf pack. Well, so there you go. Hmm. I don't know, man. I I think it's dumb. I think play a real team. Nobody's like. I just imagine you have North Dakota State on your schedule next like after that and you're just kind of looking through and you're like oh my god they beat a team by how much and then you look and see who it is and you're like oh well see the people we coach the high school kids they <laughs> see that they don't know what the other team is they sure. just look at the scores and they're like oh my goodness we're gonna get blown out absolutely or oh we're gonna kill that team and it's like yeah mm. well actually i don't i don't i just don't i don't get it i don't think that you needed to do this i think you could have played you know, some D2 or even D3 school or an NAIA school, but you had to go to like the Minnesota League of Private Christian Schools and beat this team that like, I don't even think they allow women on their campus. So actually, they are kind of problematic. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm sort of glad they got beat. That's right. Come on, Bemidji. But fix it. <laughs> is that where they are? They're in Bemidji. Yeah, there's there's a, literally another school. There's Bemidji State that yeah. is an actual D2 school. Do they play each other? They should. I, I wonder that's who North Dakota played. State should have played. In hockey, that would have been a pretty good literally, game. Literally, you could have played Bemidji State's hockey team in basketball, and it would have been more competitive <laughs> than this stupid-ass game that they played. Yeah, Bemidji State has, has a men's basketball team. Why not? Like, why not just play them? If you, hold on. Oak Hill Christian College Rival Schools. Oh, there you go. I want to learn everything about them. Yeah, mm. I'm looking at Bemidji State's schedule to see if they... They did play them. Bemidji State played Oak Hill's Christian. Yeah. And How beat them 112 to 31. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait a minute. that would uh, Bemidji State would probably be a good matchup then for North Dakota State. I, 
This is what I'm saying. I think that, what is that line? Like North Dakota State minus 12 if they're playing at home? Yeah. Something like that? Uh, like, Maybe give take me, the points. Give me that. Give me that. Mm. Play the Beavers. You can always follow us online on social media at PWO Pod. As I mentioned earlier, you can also write into the show at preferredwalkons at yahoo.com. And uh, keep on the lookout for a possible announcement this week. We've got something something percolating. Some fun coming here in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs>